0: Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of NDDI. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with Longevity Neurosolutions co-founder and CEO, Jesse Christopher. Jesse stopped by to speak to us about Longevity's InvisiShunt and ClearFit implants, We're going to be talking about how these implants are having an impact in neurosurgery. We're also going to be speaking with Jesse about his role as a CEO during a pandemic. So it's a great conversation and look forward to you hearing it. So without further ado, here we go. Well, Jesse, thanks for coming to Let's Talk MedTech. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Uh, Thank you, Mr. Ford. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Okay. I wanted to just start off and talk a little bit about the company, the impetus behind it, and how did it come about? When was it founded?
1: So it came about uh, through the side door uh, when one thinks about neurosurgical innovation. Uh, My background is more or less in in sales and marketing, but I had a a front row seat to the world's best uh, neurosurgeons, plastic surgeons over a decade. And what I realized is that, you know, innovation was being held back mostly because of a lack of um, of crosstalk, multidiscipline interaction and felt that my experience uniquely gave us an opportunity to start a company that to try to pull those things together. And so longevity's focus is really a comprehensive approach, a collaborative approach to develop innovative solutions for complex brain surgery. That's a, it's a pretty broad basket that I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into.
0: Sure, sure, sure. What are some of the products that Longevity is offering uh, to, to kind of to, to meet this mission or to meet this goal?
1: So, a great example of, of, of what I just mentioned is pulling together plastics and plastic surgeons and neurosurgeons on products like the InvisiShunt. InvisiShunt is a product that allows patients to both have reconstruction of their cranial contour, but also create space for a shunt that they need. And a shunt is basically a drain for the brain. And so this is one of many examples in where previous to longevity in in, in our device, there were two devices or two procedures necessary for a particular solution. In this situation, patients have hydrocephalus, which causes a lot of swelling around the brain and therefore they need to evacuate the liquid around the brain. And so for 30 years or more, we've been draining it by putting a drain on top of your skull but underneath your skin. And so what happens is although you're solving the problem of the fluid draining out of the brain, now you've got this cranial deformity for lack of a better description. It's uh, akin to a roll of pennies underneath your skin on top of your skull. And unfortunately what we're we're finding out is that the majority of complications from neurosurgery don't actually, aren't actually a cause of the actual neurosurgical uh, disorder itself. A lot of them are revision surgeries uh, that are caused from just getting into the brain and getting out. And, and these are the, the lack of appreciation of, of all of the other variables that we're dealing with outside of the brain. And I mean, fat, uh, skin, bone, vascularity, uh, and a lot of these things it, it, it invite uh, a collaborative approach. And so we're really excited that, you know, places like Johns Hopkins are, are leading the frontier of creating things like neuroplastic surgery, which is a new subspecialty that brings together plastic surgeons, ENT surgeons, and neurosurgeons to visit the same patient. When they come in the hospital, they see all of these disciplinarians. So that's the approach that longevity is taking. We're saying, let's think outside of the box. When a patient needs a drain or a stimulator or a reconstruction, are we just doing that one thing or can we knock out two birds with one stone or or two functions with one implant in this case? Can we reconstruct the cranium and create space for whatever that function may be that that patient needs. And in, in, in another case, it's the clear fit. So that function for a lot of patients is imaging. You know, patients that undergo neurosurgery have imaging a lot of times for the rest of their life. Uh, and just recently, we had a FDA clearance and a press release that that uh, allows us to allow surgeons to look through this reconstructive implants and with the added benefit of looking through it with ultrasound. So, mm-hmm. And I don't want to go off on a tangent there, but th- what we're trying to do here is not only reconstruct the, br- the the cranium, but add that function because patients only want to, you know, you only want to go through as few surgeries as possible. So anyway, that, that's what we're doing. And that's how we approach our our, our products and our product platforms. Uh, how, many, how many boxes can we check with each product?
0: Interesting, interesting. And these products aren't static uh, when it comes to making news. Uh, I saw this morning that there was um, <clears throat> there was news about the InvisiShunt implant. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that and what that news will mean for the company? Yeah. And, so. Uh, yeah.
1: No. Yeah. So it, it, I appreciate you asking about that. The InvisiShunt has been a uh, an interesting um, uh, product. You know, it's one of those things that was really asked for from the patients, uh, not necessarily from the neurosurgeons. Uh, the neurosurgeons had told us uh, in a vacuum that they're not hearing their patients complain about cranial deformity, revision surgeries. But when we talked to, fortunately, one of our, our close collaborators who had a shunt, it opened our eyes to what the needs were out there. And so this uh, press release this morning is about a two-year project um, that, that shows the safety of shunt. And what we've done over two years is compared these patients that receive a shunt uh, and their safety profile after receiving an InvisiShun, and remarkably, they're they're doing fantastic. In fact, they're doing better than statistical averages of other patients that don't receive an InvisiShun. So, you know, the the fine line that we have to walk as a med device company is, is not getting too excited about initial data. So, although it's very encouraging, you know, we invest a tremendous amount of time and, and probably disproportionate amount of money in our own outcomes, uh, and that isn't the norm in med device. Uh, not – you know, I, I like to pride myself and, and longevity on the fact that we're, we're the the most eager to, to to prove out the success or failure of our own products.
0: Mm-hmm. And could you delve a little bit more into uh, the trial, um, into the study? And I understand it was published, too, in the of journal. Course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, um, uh, we were excited that it was a multi-institutional and multi-discipline study, which uh, took 25 patients plus from, uh, I think, more than four organizations across the country uh, in several disciplines. And uh, in every single case, the patients did uh, well, did not uh, need to have their InvisiShunt removed, which speaks volumes to the safety profile of the InvisiShunt. And so, you know, one of the things you need to think about is that the body likes its natural shape. And so, when you stick a foreign body in it, not only does it fight it uh chemically but it also fights it you know uh, uh, mechanically and so a lot of times what you see with shunts for example you put them on top of your skull underneath the skin well if you've ever you know balled up your fist and you see your fingers get real white that means, means that there's a lack of vascularity to that skin underneath and that's happening a lot of times where shunts are you can see that the skin around it is white, and so it's not getting enough vascularity because it's this unusual pressure on it. So the body pushes it out. So in some cases, you can see, envis- sh- I'm sorry, shunts mm-hmm. extrude through patients' scalps, uh, and it's 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 very hard to to to, to watch. Uh, and unfortunately, more importantly, it causes infection and, and significant complications. We've met patients, unfortunately, that have had over 130 revision surgeries, uh, and each patient is different. So one of the things that we think we can help with is at least by reducing the profile and restoring the patient's natural shape with the InvisiShot, that helps with the vascularity, helps with some of the discomfort these patients feel
0: uh, and just restore the natural shape. I'm over here cringing about that, uh, you know, about that image. That's ooh, that's kind of a. Uh, and again, uh, it's a delicate message too, right? We
1: want to mm-hmm. hear the patients, but we don't want to point out and 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 um and create a complex around cranial deformity. But it is a very real problem, and it's akin to the Women's Health Care Act of 1998. Um, it, you know, we as a society determined that it was inhumane. Uh, to not reimburse women's breast reconstruction when they have breast cancer. Uh, And so, that is reimbursed. When you have breast cancer as a woman, as a female, you go in and see a plastic surgeon, an oncologist, and a team of people that are meant to make you whole through and through. Yet in 2021, unless you go to a handful of hospitals that are forward-looking, you see a neurosurgeon as an adult, and their primary um, concern is fixing your brain, and rightfully so. What we're hoping is in the future, you see a team of surgeons and then they really are trying to restore all of you, including your cranium and your natural contour. And it's not just because it's a cosmetic, aesthetically pleasing site. It's because we know that the abnormal shapes can lead to revision surgeries and and a number of significant complications. So, you know, it's a complex message, but it's also a very responsible one. We're trying to tread lightly and, and, and vigorously.
0: No, no, I totally understood. I totally understand that. Um, that being said, how would you say that this process or how would you say that these surgeries have matured over the years or where are we at in the life cycle uh, of these surgeries in terms of uh, of the ease of use or, or how um, complex they are to do now compared to, to when they were first imagined or when they were first performed?
1: Well, it's interesting. You know, you look at the the um, I think we're about to see a a renaissance of of neuro innovation. And, you know, amongst our peers, we talk about uh, the last 100 years being just revolutionary around vascularity, heart, pacemaking, et cetera. The next 100 years will be defined historically by our interaction with the brain, brain machine interface, uh, brain uh, augmentation. Uh, and, and it starts with, you know, solving some of the disorders that we ha- haven't made significant strides on over the last 50 years. We've gotten so good at medicine, um, but we really haven't been able to, to quite break through to the brain. And so what I'm excited about now is that longevity and other companies and, of course, Elon Musk is making the news on a weekly basis. We're now focused on that critical path. We, we need to interact safely with the brain in, a, in an age when we can replace almost every other organ. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I, I might
0: be going off on a tangent there. Oh, no, no worries. But no, no, no. Understood. I understand. Um, it it seems as if we are moving out and, and we are, you know, broadening neurosurgery and just this, this complex, these complex procedures. I, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit now about uh, the ClearFit implant and where it stands uh, today in terms of, of some of these procedures of of its significance. Was it a real turning point in your opinion? Uh so if I could ask?
1: Yeah, you know, the 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 ClearFit really has been a, a an amazing platform for us. Uh, it not only on its surface can reconstruct a cranium safely, but it offers A visibility, a a, a multiple modality of visibility. So on the surface, quite literally, you can see through it. So when you're closing a patient intraoperatively as a neurosurgeon, you can see if there's a bleed that's going to wake you up at two and cause this patient significant problem right away. And you can see potentially if there is a CSF leak, but that's just on the surface. And that's for a short period of time while you're in the operating room. It's still extremely helpful to understand what's going on underneath the hood, so to speak. Yes. But what's ex- exciting is that then post-operatively, the ClearFit is offering you know, this clearness, I'm, I'm putting quotes up, it, with mm-hmm. son- with ultrasound, and we're calling that sonolucency. And, I, and again, I, I reiterate that um, this is a really exciting breakthrough because the ClearFit not only allows you to see through it intraoperatively, and not only does it allow you to reconstruct the patient's cranium, but then post-operatively we're understanding that allows neurosurgeons to see real time with the patient on a cell phone or an iPad, their brain. And so why that's significant is because before the clear fit and before it's enabling of ultrasound, the only way to look at an adult brain is through an MRI or a CT scan mm-hmm. because the skull won't allow ultrasound and everybody is comfortable with ultrasound. Uh, I'm sorry. Hospitals are cold, cold, comfortable with ultrasound. It's safe. They have them They're bedside they're inexpensive. CTs and MRI, on the other hand, are expensive. They're, they're logistically challenging to get around. And most often patients are waiting, you know, a day or days uh, to hear back from the radiologist to get the, 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 the report to the surgeon to get the report back to the patient. In this scenario, you and I could be standing next to each other. I could, uh, the, you know, if I'm in the neurosurgeon, I could put some jelly on your head. And I can basically put my TV remote sized wand on your head and then show you on my cell phone your brain mm-hmm. that can show in patients. And so surgeons are doing that today across the world, frankly, at Baylor. They're doing it to measure vascularity. At Penn, they just published on uh, microvascular bypass so they can show patients, hey, that headache you have, it's not your bypass. You're good there. It's just, you know, you drank too much last night, so it takes a mad bill. But it's not your bypass. We can see the blood flowing. It's great. Or. Uh, Out West uh, or in Israel, you know, in California and in Israel, they're looking at tumor beds. They're showing their patients, hey, you know, this is where we took that tumor out last month. And you can see there's a hole your brain's going to be closing that space in. But, you know, we're going to be monitoring this every time you come in. And, you know, it's interesting because patients and neurosurgeons have not had this interactivity ever before Mm -hmm. where they could real time look at each other's uh, at their brain and have this dialogue. And it's interesting also hearing back from the surgeons, you know, most of them are very excited about that. But I will be honest with you and say that there's one surgeon that that said, that's my worst fear of of, is having to have that type of interaction. And so, you know, what I hear when I say when I hear that is, is that we need to be very responsible with these innovations, you know, we're dealing with the most valuable piece of humanity, our brains. And so we Mm -hmm. take that with a very heavy dose of responsibility. And, And again, back to, our outcomes. You know, we want to understand first what does this mean. Is it is it good that we can have surgeons and patients interact immediately with visibility on the brain? Is there a future where you or I can upload ultrasound images of our brain to our surgeon a thousand miles away, um, or is this just you know, or is that a a, a critical flaw in a, in a in an otherwise working workflow today? And so. You know, anyway, so that's a clear fit. It's very exciting. There's a lot more we plan on doing with it. And there's even more that I, I didn't mention, like single stage surgeries, doing one surgery instead of two for large reconstructions. Or, you know, frankly, we've been asked to house other components uh, for other companies inside our clear fit. So it's really exciting. There's, there's a long runway on it. And it's just one of the multiple longevity neurosolutions we're working on.
0: Well, now I want to go back to something uh, that you said, and and it seems to be this theme of patients kind of being more in control of their own health, or more aware, or more, uh, you know, their their they're right there with the surgeon now, and we're seeing that across all different types of of disciplines. And I'm just wondering, you know, is this trend only going to continue to grow, uh, you think? And I understand we have to be responsible at the same time, but do you think from the patient perspective, from what you're seeing with with ClearFit, do the patients clamor for this information, in your opinion?
1: You know, uh, yes, and, and it's funny. I had this conversation earlier today. I can't think of a time or an industry or an innovation where the speed of information was preferred to be slowed down. So even though I, I mentioned that one neurosurgeon, I just can't imagine that in the future people wouldn't want immediate communication around their brains or imaging. Um, and so you know, it's it's uh, it, you know, I'll just say that it's 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 interesting. I don't I don't see that uh, the lack of innovation. Um, of information speed going away. I think that we're going to continue to want that. And therefore, I think that, you know, just like when the internet came around and you started seeing, you know, doctor reviews and, and, and a lot of my friends who are neurosurgeons, you know, they had to deal with that. And, and some were right, some were not. But, you know, as a, as a society, you know, we kind of learned to overcome that. You know, you, you understand which ratings are good or bad, and you've got to filter through that. I think that's how we need to look at some of these telemedicine type of modalities, whether it's, you know, getting um, a a clinical visit online or uploading an image, I think that, you know, like everything, we're going to, you know, we're going to fall and get our bumps and bruises, but ultimately we're going to move in the direction where convenience and speed of information will prevail. It seems to always have.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Agree. I agree. Now I want to talk a little bit about something that's been on everyone's mind uh, over the last, um I can't even tell you the time since last. I'm going to say March. We're going to give it a starting point there, but COVID-19.
1: You're giving a head start, aren't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some were concerned about it before March, but we're just going to say March of 2020. That that that's our line. Um, but how have you been able to to run the company during this time, uh, during a pandemic, during shutdowns? What kinds of challenges have you seen? Have there been any benefits? I know I've talked to some companies and they've said yes. Uh, I've talked to some CEOs and they, they've said, yes, there are some benefits, strangely enough. Sure. Not a lot of traveling. Everybody's on time for the meetings. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but not to make too much not to make too light of of COVID-19, of course, because it, it is very crippling and it, it is affecting many. But just wanted to, to know. Yeah. Uh, just to get your uh, thoughts on the challenges that you might be facing.
1: So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a relevant question, of course. And, uh, you know, longevity had a very unique experience. Uh, most of the companies we saw in med device, uh, really suffered from a lack of elective surgeries and, and why not, you know, almost every hospital in the country was inundated with COVID patients. Uh, we found that our business strategy focusing on complex brain surgeries was, was, um, You know, just very fortunate in this time because, you know, there's a lot of natural disasters out there. This one, fortunately, still afforded uh, patients that had uh, non-elective brain surgery needs to still get in the hospital and get their cases done. And fortunately, that came at a time for longevity when we were just uncovering and getting our indications for sonolucency and ultrasound. And so you think about what's happening during this time last year, every CT scanner is full with people getting their lungs uh, CT scan for COVID. Neurosurgeons only had these two modalities to look at the brain. And all of a sudden, here comes safe, tried and true, you know, 50-year-old ultrasound. Uh, and and so we're uncovering, well, now that we, we need to train neurosurgeons. And so during this time where, you know, the world was um, really focused on you know, rightfully so, the responsibility of coming out of it and what do we do? And as was longevity, we were pivoting to responsibly come out of COVID with a, a significant workflow disruption for patients, hospitals, surgeons, and pay- payers. And so, from intellectual property and, and patents uh, and strategic partnerships, um, and uh, to to outcome studies, we really just kept our nose to the grindstone. And I think, I think it was a couple of days ago, I was uh, giving the analogy to Shay where you know I. <laughs> the image popped in my head it felt like you know uh, captaining a ship uh at night in the ocean in a storm with no light no no stars uh and all you could see are burning ships on the horizon around you you know you want to go help but you know if you do does your ship catch on fire and so mm. it's it was a it, it, you know it such an austere time uh i'm i'm, I'm hum- we're humbled by it so much that i won't you know notoriously optimistic myself, uh, won't even let, you know, let us pretend that we're coming out of it quite yet. Even though I, I, I'm feeling that we are, and we're optimistic, you just don't know what's around the corner. But again, back to the baseline for longevity, what's, what's fortunate for us is that, you know, even if, you know, God forbid, you know, COVID is, is here to stay, what we've, what it has done is accelerated this value proposition of ultrasound and neuroanatomy. And again, this is just one of the things we're working on, but it really, it, it, it really um, helped focus on our core competency. We're looking to innovate the most complex problems out there. And if we're doing that, then we're dealing with the patients that need surgery today. They need neuroimaging today. They need this innovation today. Um, and the bottom line will come. You know, The profits will come. The, the finances will come. And, and our shareholders and stakeholders seem to be very satisfied. So we'll continue to focus on the patient. And that seems to have gotten us through COVID. So yeah, I could go on about it and there's there's certainly a lot of you know gulp moments but um you know i'm I'm very proud of, of our executive team and our board and uh, and and our advisors uh, on how we all rallied and focused on the patient during COVID.
0: yes it's a very different time I mean it feels like what's up is down and some of the technologies that you wouldn't think were um, major or important, they, they've they been crucial in this, you know. Um, who would ever thought that um, PPE would be so important, <laughs> you know, at this point? You know, I, I've been a med tech uh, journalist now for over 10 years, and I've never r- reported on PPE as much as I, I have now. But um, I, I would just say this, with, with COVID-19, It gives us a chance to reinvent ourselves and it gives us a chance to to kind of see what's at stake. And you're right. We are, you know, in that storm and we don't know which way we're going, but we do have a light. Uh, We we do have our own personal light, uh, so to speak. And um, I think that we can do some good. It's just it's just very. Uh, questionable right now as to to how we can get to where we need to go because we don't know where ultimately we're going and i know that's long-winded and confusing no yeah you're
1: absolutely right there there should be a sense of optimism and you know once we get through it the, the the problem we have is just not counting our our eggs before they hatch too soon but you know if it's now great if it's in a year from now great but when we come out of it the silver lining will be, look, you know, you and I both know plenty of adults. And, and, you know, unfortunately, our personalities don't really change. The only thing that really changes a mature personality is a is a is a um, tra- tragic event, a milestone event, a life changing event. And so you take that and scale it up to this global culture that we have. And I think that this is what we will benefit from this is hopefully, you know, um, catastrophic event will allow us to change our personality a little bit for the better.
0: Yes, I I agree. Well, Jesse, thanks for coming on Let's Talk MedTech. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you, Omar. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, and and anytime you all have some more news, just come on back. We'd love to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. We'll do. Um, We'll be talking to you soon then.
0: All right. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks, all. All right. Take care, bud. And that's a wrap for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. But the conversation definitely doesn't end here. If you're interested in hearing more about MDDI, the medical device and diagnostic industry, then you can check us out on mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. Here you'll find stories regarding medical devices and in vitro diagnostic products, from regulatory approvals, to big deals, to financings, to tips for engineers that make these products. It's all there. In addition, we have QMed, the world's only directory of pre-qualified suppliers to the medical device and in vitro diagnostics industry. It's all here, and you can access it at mddionline.com.